0: Hello, everybody. And welcome to your Tuesday afternoon. No better way to spend a Tuesday afternoon than with your great quarter gals. It's me Kaylee Nix here with Grace Sharkey, ready for our latest episode of all things awesome female leadership and freight finance. Grace, great to be back with you once again.
1: Yeah, happy to be back. It's a sunny day in Michigan, which never happens. So I'm excited to be here today. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) Hey, Nick Austin told us this morning that it's going to be quiet weather across the United States for the rest of the week. And like, I'm taking that to the bank. Now we just need some warmth, please.
1: (laughs) Yes, no more snow blowing or plowing,
0: none of that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're almost done, we're almost done. Grace, we've got a great show lined up for today talking all about a can-do approach to freight. And I love the play on words because we've got Nicole Glenn from Candor Expedite here with us today. And we're gonna sit down and talk to her a little bit about leading this company, leading through times of growth or through times of trial and really just about what leadership means for a female entrepreneur but before we get into that, we've got some exciting freight deals to watch, and we're talking big time money today. And let's do the first one, which is the smaller of the two. Platform science, $115 million raise, $575 million valuation, big money.
1: Yeah, big money. And we're talking about two different races today that have really interesting trends. This one in particular, I'm very excited for because it's a market that I personally have been spending a lot of time researching. So Platform Science, for those of you that don't know, is a vehicle connectivity tool. Uh, They work with some of the largest carriers that you've probably seen on our top 500 list. Werner, Schneider, Western Express, and US Express to name a few. Um, And they really focus on making sure that drivers have the best technology in their cabs. And more importantly, that companies like these can invest and easily integrate different connective types of programs into their software without having to overinvest in in different hardwares, et cetera. Um, One of their most recent productions is Virtual Vehicle, which is uh, through a partnership with Daimler, North American Trucks. And what I really love about this is this is showing you this new emerging market called Trucks as a Service. Uh, we talked about a bunch of SASA uh, type of related technologies here in the past. And this is a new one um, and a, going to be a huge one. And one that I think everyone should pay attention to, especially when you're investing in the stock market, because it's a different type of investment that uh, OEMs aren't used to making. So mm-hmm. really what this phenomenon is going to do, it's going to be switching over a majority of sales, Um, from these OEMs and from these automotive companies, from sales to services. Um, By 2030, it's projected about $465 billion in avenue revenue will experience the shift. So instead of having to rely on selling people automobiles over and over again, um, having them update their leases, etc., Cars and trucks are going to be made in higher uh, quality, which means they will last longer. But what these companies will focus on is the services and the technology within the cab. This virtual vehicle moving forward, actually, I believe they started putting this in Diamond Trucks as of September 2019. Each vehicle will have this virtual vehicle brought by Platform Science that enables them to offer different services and different aftermarket services um, to their customers. Um, 64% of truck manufacturers said this is going to be their future. And it's, it's really interesting because... You think of all the money that they spend on engineering and um, making sure that auto body shops are ready for repairs. But because these vehicles will be better serviced, uh, because of this, uh, the as, trucks as a service type of technology is going to be more proactive in servicing, they're actually going to be uh, projected about $118 billion dollars. be spent on retraining and developing new employees that are going to be more of these um, project and and, uh, SaaS related engineers. So you're going from these uh, trucks being fixed by mechanics to trucks being fixed by uh, data scientists and data engineers, which I think is quite thrilling. So that one was really excited to see. And there's a a lot of great uh, people over at Platform Science and Tracy Black is actually a guest we should have on in the future too. She's a big part of that as well.
0: So this Trucks as a Service movement, is this this now the partnership with Daimler saying Platform Science is going to take their virtual technology partner with Daimler to as Daimler produces the trucks it'll be integrated into one the people who are ordering and receiving these trucks will get almost like the two for one deal by purchasing through this of this partnership and then they don't have to spend the money to upgrade a truck bought from one party with software bought from another correct
1: Bingo. Yep. So basically every vehicle that that is being produced by them is a win for platform science. And they've just been on a roll when it comes to their uh, telematics. And, um, and actually even more so they're right now in uh, court uh, going over patent trials with Omnitracks over those type of services as well. So um, that's something I've wrote about in the past that I've been watching. And hoping to update soon, but they've been uh, back and forth in court for about a year or two now. So it's a it's a really interesting market and one that people are quite literally fighting over at this point. Yeah.
0: So uh, staying on the thread of Freight Tech Investments and this one just like blows it out of the water when it comes to the amount of funding that was raised with this. Flexport securing $935 million in Series E funding, bringing up their company valuation to $8 billion with a B dollars.
1: Yeah, this one's huge. And, and I really love this example for our audience because i want people to understand where a lot of this investment is probably going to go towards and where past investments with Flexport has gone towards in the past as well. So you see this amount, is huge, right? Uh, 930, basically a billion dollars at this right. point. Uh, Eight billion valuation. Um, they, and I think that's a completely fair valuation, especially when you start to see the services they're starting to come into, right? They've got a great uh, partnership with Convoy. So all their customers domestically have a really great uh, truckload partnership for once a lot of these uh, containers arrived here to the U.S. Um, They've made some huge air cargo investments, which are not cheap at all. I'm almost not surprised to see this higher because of it. But they have, as of September, three Boeings now um, that have been going from uh, Asia to L.A. to Miami, and they're looking to expand this now with this investment to chicago uh, a really interesting article for our listeners go to freightways uh, type in the mcdonald's and you'll see they uh just recently helped mcdonald's move uh planes worth of fries um so that shows you <laughs> how big their customers are and the problems that they're solving i mean that's that's huge if the, if mcdonald's is at that point where they need to be putting that type of stuff on boeing's so we're looking at some real supply chain issues that flexport is solving but what I'd like people to understand about this market, right? We're seeing these huge money values. Uh, not always can these companies deploy capital as quickly as they can because of these inflated rounds. So they're starting to create, Flexport actually has, as a company and has Flexport Fund, where they themselves are investing in companies like theirs, right? So um, in the past year, they've invested in Cloud Trucks, which is a um, SaaS-related trucking company that helps uh, trucking companies grow and scale, Nuvo Cargo, which I mean, you're talking about Flexport, International Freight Florida, right? Nuvo Cargo is helping companies with their shipments from the U.S. to Mexico. Um, and just recently, Passport, which I wrote about last week, um, they were a part of their $35 million round as well. And Passport helps a lot of huge e-commerce brands um, with their international shipping and scaling and, and able to uh, help them find the right uh, freight partners for that. So I think a lot of times people are, are wondering like, geez, what is all this going towards? But A lot of these companies, Project 44 is uh, known to do this as well. Their founders and their companies are making investments that they're really just hedging um, down the road, right? Maybe if they might acquire that company down the road. Uh, they can make some extra profit off that as well. Uh, but not always is this money going straight towards what the company because you just, you can't spend it that fast between the rounds these times, uh, uh, that we're seeing over the last couple of years, uh, it's hard to spend the amount of capital that they're getting. So they're making smart investments with it as well.
0: And we love to see that making the smart investment is sometimes sometimes better for the business in the long run. So Grace, yeah. that kind of wraps it up for our finance oh, round yeah. this morning, or this afternoon, that is. And you wrote that story on Flexport. <laughs> so go ahead and go find that on freightwaves.com if you haven't read the full story yet. Right now, we're going to welcome Nicole Glenn from Candor Expedite and talk a little bit about the climb to leadership and how it's it's a tough road to the top, but it's really rewarding once you get there. Nicole, thank you for joining us on Great Quarter Gals.
2: Hi, ladies. I'm so excited to be here. This is awesome that you guys are moving forward with such an awesome platform for women to come on and talk about their journeys. So, Nicole, let's get a little
0: bit into your journey and a little bit of an introduction about Candor Expedite first and kind of where you guys sit in the role in Freight.
2: For sure. So I've been in the logistics space for 22 years, so I'm dating myself. Uh, Started off really in the admin side of things, and then really worked through the different sectors of transportation. So truckload, working with owner-operators, getting backhauls, sales, and then some management, and then on my way up through leadership. So in 2017, I started Candor Expedite with the mission of something different. So I know everyone likes to ask me, like, what does the name of your company mean? So it was... The concept of being in logistics for so long i wanted to create something of truth of something of forth forthright communication and so we've been in the expedited space since 2017 and really staying in that space but also adding on different modes of transportation so we have seen a lot of growth um, on, our, on our multimodal side in our truckload division how do you
1: as a leader help your company like, scale through these these times that I'm sure you're having difficulties finding capacity or building different capacity partnerships. How do you continue to scale like you have been, but also in a time where you know people are looking left and right for the capacity for their shipments?
2: Well, it's really having those relationships. So being on the expedited side for many, many years, there's a lot of smaller fleets that are running around the US and a lot coming. It seems like it's a constant. I get a lot of emails and. LinkedIn requests for people who are looking to enter into the expedited space. So it's really honing in on those relationships and talking to the suppliers that you're working with to you know, get them in the markets that they wanna be. Another different key point of expedite is people are really traveling all over the US. So you may have a solid relationship with a carrier that might be based in Dallas, but on some days they're also in New York City or they'll end up in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So it's utilizing Mm -hmm. our internal network uh, when we're going out to our carrier base to to see where they are for that day and then asking for that constant uh, capacity offering that they have in different markets and and trying to alleviate some solutions for our customers because there's not one spot that we see reoccurring. It seems like you'll have a pop-up of things up in Seattle Mm -hmm. and then you'll have some issues that happen uh, in California. So there's kind of this across the country movement and then you'll have random customers that have something in North Dakota that they need help with. So it's just really aligning people with the solutions that they need. And then if we do have some customers that are in you know, not strong markets, it's having that open dialogue with them to understand really what do they need to have done? Do they have flexibility on things? And really opening up the, those lines of communication so that way you can give them a solution that maybe isn't right now in 10, 15 minutes, but we can we can get somebody there or we can deadhead somebody depending upon, you know, how quickly they need it done. So with expedited shipping, time is of essence or sometimes dollars is the driving force. So it's really connecting with your customers to go which one of those is of need to you and how how can we solve this this problem that you're faced with today.
0: So, Nicole, when it comes to expedite service, shippers that utilize expedite service have that expectation of fast service, of paying the pretty penny that comes with it, but also their service levels are top notch. They're expecting a really great experience. They're expecting things to be just absolutely on point. How do you balance keeping costs low, speed high and timely, but also hitting those expectation levels and the service levels that really are just paramount? To providing a good expedite service?
2: Well, it's really creating the expectation with the customer alongside of the carrier as we're a brokerage firm. We have to set that. And you would think that that is just a given, right? That companies just come in and you talk to the driver each shipment and, and they make sure that the customer's aware of what the ETAs are and communicate that. So it's really, it's nothing different to me in regards to how I normally talk to everybody on my team. It's just, creating that expectation of a shipment, walking it through all the way, start to finish. So we've segmented our business in buckets. Um, we're not a company, you guys hear a lot of brokerage firms that are cradled to grave. So mm-hmm. you have one person that starts the process and ends it. We have it to be segmented into sales, more of a, a quoting concept. So So people know what they're accountable for. They start learning that customer and that expectation. They start working with the same types of carriers, knowing and rating how that is, as well as bringing it through the um, customer service side. So then our customer service side takes lead on that and executes with this whole onboarding uh, process that we start from the beginning through the end. And it's just very process driven, very repetitive for us because that's just the way that we go to business. So to keep keep costs low um, for us, I mean, it really is just utilizing our customers words on what they need done presenting different options, sometimes going outside of the standard solution, you know, we'll go, Hey, this is something that you're saying is an expedite. We might be able to utilize expedited LTL. So since we've added on these different modes uh, to our business, we're able to help our customers save dollars. Like we'll have clients come to us today and say, Hey, I have a, a, I need a truckload and we'll uncover that it's three skids. So we'll go, Hey, Let's get you a straight truck or a starter van. So a lot of the times you would think that, you know, it's just this crazy high rate, but there's a lot of clients that were able to actually save them dollars from how they're running things through their supply chain today.
1: It's incredibly smart of you just to start the business in that buy-sell model. I mean, that's going to help you so much as you guys continue to scale and grow. And I'm interested, what markets are you guys servicing? Have you noticed any different trends in the customers that have been reaching out to you guys as of this last year? Are you kind of helping all types of of customers these days?
2: We are really helping all different types. It seems like we have a lot of medical. I mean, when COVID, the pandemic Mm -hmm. went down. Uh, our standard customers that were shipping a certain type of commodity, our freight forwarding clients, we saw all of that just, I mean, it went to zero, right? Mm. Um, so what we yeah. had to do then is really work with our clients to understand what other types of commodities could we do. So, I mean, we were doing masks, hand sanitizer, uh, respirators, and so we've, we've now stepped in more to the medical side of things, but now we're seeing, you know, gaming uh, machines. And we do a lot of aerospace clients as well as um, a lot of automotive. So again, that was another thing. We had some automotive clients. And then during the beginning of the pandemic, all of that ceased and we had to move on. We're also helping a lot of food uh, customers too, because you know there is a need for, for ingredients to be rushed in uh, and, and brought out to their clients as well.
0: So, Nicole, I want to take a step back and focus a little bit on your leadership of Candor Expedite. And as you mentioned, you've been in the industry for over two decades. You've been leading Candor Expedite since 2015. And the industry has changed a lot just since you started Candor Expedite, but definitely in that two decades that you've been in freight. Can you talk to us a little bit about the challenges that come with being a female entrepreneur and with being a woman who starts your own company? And really, you know, the industry is not as quite as much of a good old boys club as it used to be, but it definitely can still <laughs> feel like that sometimes for people trying to break in for the first time.
2: I think for women, the challenge is really finding their, their network. So these past two years have not been a challenge for me uh, in regards to that because I've been utilizing different platforms to really elevate my network. I've been finding a lot of other women that are in the space Um, We've actually developed a podcast called LLC, which is Ladies Leadership Coalition that brought six total business owners in uh, to really talk about some of the things that are happening in business. So for myself, I haven't seen anything that's holding myself back in that. But what it really is and what I always want to tell women and urge women is we need more of you. You know, we need more women that have stepped into that space and they're ready uh, to really make that jump. And you will have such a great network. You just got to build it out, ask people for help. And, and a lot of people are willing to give you advice on the to-dos and the not to-dos uh, that they've seen. So, I mean, from when I started, it's night and day. I mean, mm-hmm. ladies, when I first started, I was in a company that had mm-hmm. just all gentlemen, only lady. Um, and then as I continued in my career, it'd be like, oh, there's two. Oh, there's five. And I would go to conferences as a sales rep and there'd be a thousand men in the room and two females. And so watching that progress is so exciting for me to see women step into these spots and take these roles on and ask for those promotions and say yes, you know, and and move forward. So that's my suggestion to everybody is just ask for that opportunity and take that next step into your career when you're ready.
1: How has that affected you now, leading Candor and starting Candor? Did you feel like you know, there's any obstacles that you had to overcome when recruiting or anything like that, or ha- has the market changed and and they were a little bit more welcoming to having a female leader?
2: I think it's how you approach yourself. So in the beginning, when I started, um, it was you know trying to find my team, and a lot of people that I've brought on to my company as foundational leaders, I've had just long relationships with. So a lot, I mean, most of the division leaders that we've had might've been a client of mine for 15 years, 12 years. Um, So that's really helped me is having my past experiences help me find teammates that have that same value set. I mean, that's very important when you're trying to run a company. Uh, But in the beginning, it did seem like a struggle where it was... I don't know if it was the female aspect of it or the small company aspect of it. So I think it's yeah. challenging when you're starting a company for people to go, I don't, I don't know you. I've never heard of your company. Um, so it was really trying to identify and really get out to people for them to understand who we were and that brand and really what goes behind that and the leadership with the team. So I think a lot of the emphasis that I try to explain to people is really developing a strong culture. So and picking those teammates that share that same mission and vision as you, and and grow it from there. So as far as um, again on the woman side with it, it was I didn't know if it if it had anything, and it's not one of those places as an owner that you can ask. You know, you can't throw out <laughs> yeah. a, a memo. Or, hey guys, um, is there anything <laughs> that you think might be different because I'm a female? No, I mean I think it's more so of just understanding where you're at, and really creating that strategy of what you want to do with the company. And the thing I focus on is bringing my team along for that ride. So I'm a very transparent leader. Um, And with that, it's like, I don't ever create uh, our values or our mission or our um, plans and forecasts without them by my side. So I think that that has been a successful thing for myself, because it's not cramming what the company is going to do down anybody's thoughts or throats. It's more of hey, what do you want to do? what do you see? and then how do you think we should get there all together? So that's how we've been able to create that success is that really cohesive collaborative environment. And then the folks that are a part of that, you know they they feel that and they have that stake in that in the company and and they want to help it. Move forward and really establish some strong customer relationships and and carrier relationships.
0: Nicole, thank you so much for being on with us today. You are definitely one of my role models when it comes to entering the space and watching how to lead something successfully. And with Ladies Leadership Coalition, where can folks go to find that if they want to get some advice and maybe find some role models to look up to as well?
2: For sure. So that is actually on LinkedIn. We have a Facebook page. Uh, We throw that out on YouTube. We do. some 30-minute uh, group sessions where we're talking. We have some mini sods with Natalie Mathis. Mm-hmm. So you guys will be able to check that out there. We did take a little bit of break uh, and we're coming back strong. We're actually going to be hosting our next session this this month. So yeah, check us out on on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome, Nicole. Thank you so much for being with us today. We'll catch up with Thanks, you soon. Guys. All right, take care. <laughs> Amazing as always from Nicole Glenn. Yes. Grace, before we get out of here today, we got to talk Global Supply Chain Week. We are less than a week away from the kickoff of our five-day virtual event. I'm pumped. Looking at the speaker lineup, it's just stellar.
1: Oh, it's it's absolutely stellar. And the interviews that I've done have been great so far, and I'm excited for everyone to see those and have uh, really the whole community. Be a part of you know the Freightways for a whole week, it's uh mm-hmm. gonna be a ton of really great speakers and all different types of experience and different topics. It's <laughs> there's something for everyone for sure.
0: <laughs> we'll have a live episode of Great Quarter Gals on Tuesday, still at our normal time. I think three it's either 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. I'll, I'll get that ironed out for sure, but we'll have that live episode. I've got a keynote speech, I just shot a fireside chat today, mm-hmm. and I'm just so excited to see all of the collaborative effort that's
1: going to come into this week. Yeah, I have uh, Caitlin Murphy I get to speak with, which is uh, if you want to talk about female leaders, she mm-hmm. is a great one. So, um, And then the National Fe- the National Retail Federation I got a, a chance to speak with. So informative. So I think everyone should get some great content out
0: of it. You can go get registered for that right now, live.freightwaves.com. And that does it for us here today on Great Quarter Gals. Grace, give us your Twitter handle before we get out of here today. Where can people find you?
1: Yes, yeah, you can find me on Twitter Gracie Main M-A-N-E Lafray L-A-F-R-8.
0: <laughs> and find me. Where can me, we find you, Kaylee? Nix W X. We'll see you guys next week during Global Supply Chain Week. Cut!